Good evening and welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. And tonight's special guest is Rob McDonald. Good evening, Rob. How are you? Good evening. I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining us, mate. A, a real blast from the past for me. And uh, it had me uh, going into my loft and digging through my programmes to try and find a, a few photographs. So I am going uh, to uh, share them with the, the viewers. Uh, there's one there, which is the, if we can just get it past the green screen, there we go. That's Rob on the yeah. front page of the, uh, the programme. And Rob coming out of the, uh, the tunnel as well. Um, I might have to put these on Twitter. There we go. That's it. But yeah, great days. I mean, um, in the sense that those were my first days going to the match on my own without my dad. Um, and and we we'll go, you know, we we'll go back to to the start of your career first, Rob. Where did you start playing professional football? Uh, <clears throat> I started uh, Hull City. I uh, was an apprentice, and uh, now yeah, passed my apprenticeship. And John Kay was the manager at the time. He signed me as a pro, so I stayed there for about uh, three years as a pro. And then uh, this Dutch club uh, came over, and that more or less is the reason why uh, I took the step to go over to, uh, to Holland. I just found at that time that, you know, the English game just didn't seem to suit me. I know that sounds a crazy thing, but for me, for being a big lad, and I was quick, uh, running into channels and crossing the ball for somebody who was a lot smaller than me that just didn't make sense to me um, so and it was the best move I ever made if I'm really honest yeah so you know my career was just went absolutely up uh, so that's that's more or less the beginning of uh, of my career at Hull City yeah were you always a centre forward Rob? you know what they did uh, there was one stage when um all the centre-halves were injured. Our captain, Stuart Croft, he's also a Geordie lad. He, uh, they all got uh, injured. So with me being tall and good in the air and everything, I played at the back and I found that a lot easier, but it was just boring. I just thought, you know, it's not my cup of tea. So I just went into the manager and uh, the manager was at that time was Ken Houghton, uh, an ex-Hull City player. I just said, boss, you know, put me up front again because I'm just not enjoying it and uh, I don't want a career as a centre-half. How did you find it then after, after going from Hull um, and, and playing your trade abroad? Did you find it easy? I mean, nowadays it's something which is, you know, which is always, it, it's almost looked at as the norm, you know, to, to get a little bit of experience abroad. We've got Matty Longstaff at the moment being linked with it move at a young age to Udinese, which obviously Newcastle fans hope doesn't happen. But what was it like for you? Did you did was the language a barrier? Did you know was did you find that the, the locals maybe weren't as welcoming as you were hoping they were gonna be? How how was it? No, I went to uh to be honest in the beginning, I went to uh, a decent club. Uh and when I say a decent club, they were quite friendly. Uh they were football fanatical in, in many ways, very much like uh, what Newcastle is in uh, in England. A really good following. Um, the Dutch, they speak better English than we do. So that wasn't so much of a problem. And yeah, no, I think just the fact that they played 4-3-3, okay, the physical part of it is not as intense as what it is with the English game. Uh, I've got to be honest about that as well. But the great thing was, was that I was getting loads of service from, uh, you know, from both the wings. 
you know, right wingers who would cross the ball with the right foot and left wingers who would cross the ball with the left foot. You don't see that often. No. Um, and it just suited me. It just, you know, I just thought straight away, tactically, I learned much more in the first year, two years than I did in my whole time at Old City. And no disrespect to all of any of the coaches at Old City, but it just... It just seemed to, you know, enter my head, and 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 I thought this is this is easy, this is good, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. It was a real challenge. Yeah, good stuff. So, you, I mean, you played your trade over there for a while, didn't you? Your, your big move yeah. came in '85 um, when you went to PSV Eindhoven. Um, what was the experience like playing there? Ah, that was great. Um, I had a, had a really good period, uh, the three years pre previous to that at FC Groningen, we played European Cup football, we knocked Atletico Madrid out and we, uh, we got beaten by, uh, by Inter Milan. So I think my period at FC Groningen was the, the basis for the, for the future following on. PSV, yeah, I'm playing with the likes of Ruud Gullit, uh, Eric Gerrits, uh, uh, you name it, Hans from Brooklyn, uh, Ernie Brandt, you know, big names in uh, in Dutch football. Uh, we won the championship easily. We were, I think, six weeks, seven weeks uh, before the end. We were, uh, you know, we were champions. And, uh, and I played uh, quite a lot of the games and um, enjoyed it, absolutely loved it. And then when, you see, when I've gone, when I've gone through my career, uh, if I look at how I've step-by-step step chosen teams, a little bit of a step higher, then another step higher. And then as soon as I won the championship in Holland, I thought, I want to, I want to go to another country. And that's when uh, Sporting Lisbon uh, came knocking. So it was, it was a, perfect, a perfect way and a perfect uh, baptism, if you want to call that, to go on to you know, other things abroad. Do you regret that move? Because, I mean, I think it was something like 24 games, 15 goals for PSV Eindhoven. You know, then to leave and, 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 you know, some people would say it's brave, but then other people might say, you know, you should have stayed where you were because you were doing well and you just won the league. Was, do you regret that, Rob, a little bit? Nah. You've, sometimes you've got to assess what the, uh, the whole situation is. The PSV were bringing in uh, Wim Kieft. Wim Kieft was uh, a, a top scorer of Ajax for many years. He was also a national player for, uh, for Holland. Now, in some respects, I wasn't really frightened of, uh, you know, battling against him. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that I just knew for myself, I've always had this adventurous uh, streak in me anyway. So <clears throat> I thought to go to, uh, to Portugal in such a, a, a huge club, uh, as Sporting, I don't regret it in in the slightest. Mm -hmm. I was uh, I did know that there was only uh, two foreign players were allowed to play. It was a, a, a sort of like a ruling what they had, and uh, they had Manuel uh, Negrete, that was the Mexican player who scored the first goal. Uh, I can't remember which World Cup it was. Uh, he played he played against uh, Belgium, and it was a sort of like a bicycle kick uh, goal which he scored. Great midfield player, great player. And the other was the striker, was Raphael Mead, who came from Arsenal. And he didn't have such a good season, uh, the season before that. But I think with the fact of Mead coming and putting pressure on him, he only started scoring like bloody nobody's business. So 
Uh, I made my debut in the European Cup against Akranis in, uh, in Iceland. I scored three goals. And I made my debut in, uh, in the first team uh, away to Bo Vista. And, uh, and I scored on my debut as well. Yeah. It was just the fact that he was playing so well that the, the manager got me in. He said, listen, I can't criticise you at all. He said, but there's only two of you can play. And I was on loan from PSV. So I thought, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I need to get back. I need to get myself playing somewhere. So in respect of not getting uh, playing time, yes, I agree fully. But the, the whole experience, what I had at uh, such a huge club, and I'm in a huge club, a sport in Lisbon, uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for anything now. You ended up going back to, was it Groningen for a loan? Groningen, yeah. Yeah, for, for a loan period. And of course, you'd have big success there. I think over 80 appearances there and over 40 goals, which, which is some going. Your next move, of course, was to race and jet Brussels. Um, forgive me for my ignorance, but where is that? <laughs> That's in Brussels. They, uh, they played in a little stadium next to, uh, to the big Eisel Stadium. Right. And, um, uh, what I found really fascinating because around that period, I was starting thinking about coaching. Yeah. So I was thinking about my, uh, my future, uh, what I was going to do in football. And Raymond Gutals, uh, he was the general uh, manager of, uh, of Racing Jet Brussels. So I thought, this is going to be good. You know, one of the top coaches ever out of uh, Belgium. Um, but after time, I couldn't understand the word he said because my, my Dutch was a lot better. But his accent was, was, oh, was incredible. And ah, looking back in hindsight, it wasn't the greatest of moves uh, to do. But I am. Yeah. Did uh, I did learn quite a bit of stuff from his uh, his technique? How he, uh, you know, how he did tactical stuff. Uh, so everywhere you go, you always pick up something. So that that was about the only one advantage I had. Again, another club which uh, you know I haven't heard of. Ikfast. Where where is Ikast? Ikast is Denmark. Okay. Um, well, what had happened? Uh, the Belgians, they're famous for this they sometimes don't pay your wages and I was on a good crack uh, when I was there and um, <laughs> so Denmark was about the only place I could go uh, the, the Scandinavian market is, uh, is a different uh, ball game when it comes to uh, the transfer market right. or the deadlines so uh, I just went to this uh, they were in the European Cup uh, Cup winners I think it was the Cup winners Cup and um, Nah, that was that was really a waste of my time. I'll be honest. Shocking. Something that wasn't a waste of your time because it's the reason we're doing this interview is you came to uh, Newcastle United, forever a sleeping yeah. giant, it seems, since the 1950s. And uh, certainly at the period that you signed in 1988, it was going through a huge period of transition. And why, why and how did you end up at Newcastle United? Well... Why is a simple, uh, there's a simple answer. Who on earth on the whole planet would say no to Newcastle United? Um, remember, I'm a, a whole lad who from the age of 10 had this dream of playing in the, uh, in the English Premiership. It was the first division then. Um, so 
actually it was it was in the period when I'd gone back to uh, PSV after uh, the little stint I had with uh, with FC Groningen uh, because like I told you I was uh, I was on loan uh, at Sporting and then also at FC Groningen. So what had happened? Um, the agent of Raphael Mead was uh, a Londoner, and I'd never really had an agent previous to that. I just had people, good friends who were businessmen who, who helped me through uh, my football career. So with that, I got in touch with, uh, with the agent. His name was Tom Lawrence, and he organized uh, trials for me with, uh, I was at Millwall, uh, Millwall when uh, Cascarino was there, and, and Teddy Sheringham. And then uh, I also went to Wimbledon. I went there uh, when Bobby Gold was, uh, was, the, uh, was the manager. And then all of a sudden, I got uh, an invite up to, uh, to Newcastle. I came uh, at the same time as Alistair Dick. I don't know if you remember him. He, a yeah. uh, Scottish lad who, um, he was a decent player. And I tell you what, I just, during the week, I was getting balls on the training, you know, from all over the place. And I was just popping in the goals like I was doing in Holland. And it just went really well. And they, uh, after about two or three days, I, uh, I signed, you know, Colin Sugar. He was the, uh, the sort of like, let's just say, the interim uh, manager at that time. And um, he, uh, he got me on board. There were some video clips which had been sent also uh, of games which I'd played, uh, you know, recently. And um, so it all went through. I mean, I was pinching myself. I was sort of like, you know... I mean, I'd, I'd been, I'd, I'd played with uh, great players and I played against great players in my career, but still that, that dream, the English schoolboy dream of playing for a premiership team, uh, it was, you know, then I had the disadvantage of having a second name, which, you know, was pretty similar to, or oh, pretty tasty striker out the past, Malcolm McDonald. And that didn't really bother me, if I'm really honest, because... I'm nowhere, nowhere like the same style as what he was, and he was just a great player. Period. Yeah. Um, so for me to to come in and emulate uh, such a great player as uh, as Malcolm, uh, I didn't. I'm I'm realistic enough to know that uh, that that never would have uh, would have happened. Mm. And in all fairness, Steve, I had a, an half decent begin when uh, scored in the League Cup against uh, Watford. And I got my debut goal with uh, the game against Sheffield Wednesday. And then just after that, it just crashed in, I think, for everybody, myself uh, included. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hide behind any, uh, any excuses or whatever. We just, we just crashed in. Was it, was it in a weird game at Millwall that you made your debut? That was my debut, yeah. We lost 4-0. I, uh, I, I was down there for that game, yeah, because I remember, because I think yeah. it was, there was a big boxing fight on the same night in Birmingham as well, which we travelled to. I think it was one of the uh, Ben, the Ben Eubank, or was it Ben Watson? I'm not 100 percent sure off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean that day, I mean, it was just, was it as frightening for players going to Millwall as it was for fans? Because I remember walking down the streets, the you know you had to walk down people's streets to get to the old Cold Blow Lane ground, and it was uh, it was vitriolic. You were getting spat at and things thrown at you, and that was by the women pushing push chairs. <laughs> no, I didn't. I think 
the uh, the overriding uh, emotion for me was just the fact I was making my debut there. And of course, I knew about the reputation, what Millwall had. But believe you me, when I was younger, you know, uh, in Hull, in the, uh, you know, Harbour City, it can be pretty rough down there as well. So, I mean, if we ever uh, ventured into the city centre, and I'm talking about maybe on a, you know, like a Saturday night, yeah. You've got to be careful there as well. So I mean, everywhere you go, you're gonna uh, you're gonna have something. But uh, no, the, like I said, the overriding uh, experience what I had at that time was just the fact that I made my debut and I, you know, I was really well peeved that we lost four 0 I did actually score a goal which was offside, a damn good header, uh, which I didn't think was offside. But anyway, we still want to win the game. They were they were good. Millwall was a good team at that time. You got to, did he get a pull on the number nine jersey? Um, well, it, it sort of it shifted. At one time, I'd have number eight, and then yeah. I'd have nine. I mean, it, I didn't really, I didn't go into the manager and say, "Look, I don't want the number nine because it's the number of Malcolm." Yeah, not at all. I just got given the number I was I was given. I mean, you don't, you know. In them days, you don't go in and say, look, I want number this or I want number that. Uh, that didn't happen at all, so. It's diff different nowadays, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, looking back on the, the programme collection from that era, you know, you, you're quite right, you wore the number eight and the number nine, so. Did you ever get a chance to meet those, those players, the likes of, you know, Jackie Milburn at the time and, um, no. you know, or, or you know, Supermark were, 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 they, were they at the games, or did you get a chance to meet? No, them? no, I never, I never saw. Uh, I, I definitely didn't see see uh, Malcolm McDonald in the time I was there. I'd love to have met him. Don't get me wrong. Um, no, there would be every now and then there'd be, uh, you know, ex players. What would, uh, what would be there? But I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't get the chance to meet them personally in the, in the players' home. I, I think it was the majority of the time, like agents and, and you know, the wives uh, and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, not a lot. Tell us about some of the players that you were playing with there. I mean, who did, who did you room with when you were travelling away? I mean, you, you look... John Henry. John Henry. Mm -hmm. Nah. Try and understand him when he's... Uh, when he's... Uh, when he's beginning... He uh, he had this strong Scottish accent, but great lad. I mean, great lad. And, yeah. um, you know, they're often, what I often had with uh, with the lads, they were really curious about the whole Dutch thing. You know, what, you know, all my experiences, which I had uh, abroad, uh, what money was you on and uh, what was Gullet like and, and, and all stuff like that, which I understand. And, um and no, and, 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 you know, more or less figuring out how we can, because uh, John was on the right-hand side. Uh, so what I like to do is when, uh, when I used to sort of like room, I would room with either one of uh, the wingers uh, or somebody who's just behind me so that you can also talk about tactical stuff and little moves and little signals, what you can give, uh, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. So he was a good lad, John. He was a good lad. Uh, now we had uh, John Anderson uh, was with us, uh, Kenny Sampson, uh, Davey McCreary, uh, Andy Thorne, uh, Dave Besant. Um, who else did we have? Uh, 
Kevin Brock, he was a good player. Nemo. He was an underestimated player, to be honest. Yeah. A good player. Nice bloke. And um, no, I mean, great set of lads. I mean, you know, when we trained and everything, it was, uh, there was a good atmosphere. We just give what we could, but we just weren't good enough at that time. It's, you know, you just got to be open and honest about it. Jim Smith came in as manager. Um, and we've got a question from Mark Corby, uh, who runs a, a page on Facebook, NUFC 1980 to 1994. He said, can you ask Rob how Jim Smith dealt with him? Uh, Rob played six games off the belt in all competitions, scoring two goals. Then he was dropped for Frank Pingle and he never got a look in afterwards. So he's interested in know, you know, what the situation was there because you weren't, you, you weren't in poor form. You, you, know, you were settling into a new club. Then suddenly Frank Pingle comes in. What, what, was, the, what was the situation and what did Jim Smith say to you? Well, I, in some ways I was thinking, well, uh, did he want to play two big men up front? Because Frank was, he wasn't as tall as what I was, but he was a big lad. Um, and in all fairness, uh, Mira, Mirandinha, he wasn't really getting a great you know, deal of goals neither. So... And Michael O'Neill, he was the one actually who was, uh, you know, popping up with a couple of goals here and there. So I think every manager who comes in, uh, a new manager certainly, he has his own ideas, he has his own vision, and he maybe didn't like what he saw with me. I mean, you know, fair dues, he's, he is the boss. So I mean, uh, I've scored under him because. Uh, Funnily enough, the uh, the game uh, Watford uh, was, I think, his second game, and uh, the goal I scored against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, you know, Jim was uh, was manager there as well. So, I mean, I had I did have a period when I felt for myself I wasn't playing as well as I should do. Um, so, I mean, I'm not gonna give all the. Uh, you know, all the blame to uh, to the manager. And I had a couple of bad games, which, you know, in England yourself, you only have to play two or three bad games after each other. Then, you know, you can be out on uh, on a limb. And uh, and Frank Pingle was, was actually offered uh, to the club at that time. And uh, I don't even think, I think Frank scored one when he came. I'm not even sure if... Uh, I'll have to check. I remember, I remember a rather fortuitous goal against Liverpool, um, which, yeah. which was a header which he didn't know much about, which flew yeah. into the net past Bruce. I remember that, yeah. Really bad weather, I remember that. Oh, yeah. I sat on the bench, and I'm, I'm, I'm not used to sitting on the bench, but anyway, it yeah. happened, and uh, no, yeah. it's just one of them things where you think, I would have loved to have come to Newcastle when I was, let's just say, instead of going to Sporting, yeah. When I was 26, yeah. that would have been the ideal time for me to, uh, to have gone to, uh, to Newcastle. Mm. Uh, I mean, I was 30 and uh, now, yeah, like I said, I had a, a half-decent uh, begin, uh, which I was quite happy about. And then, uh, then after that, uh, it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Rob McDonald what I would have liked to have seen uh, to, you know, to play for uh, Newcastle United. Mark Corby also asks, he wants to know what your celebration against Sheffield uh -huh. was all about. Um, he's, he's, he's a bit of a collector, Mark, and he's, he's got a YouTube channel, which you'd probably be interested to see, but he's, uh, he's got this clip of that game on there. And, he's, and your yeah. goal celebration was, 
you stand still and you do like a gymnastic type warm up. So it was just interesting nah. what that celebration was all about. Dead easy. If um, if he looks at it carefully, it's the it's the uh, the signal what an Australian referee gives when um, when it's kicked between the two poles. Like uh, when I played at PSV, yeah, when I played at PSV, we had a right winger. He was a right character. Uh, René van der uh, is his name. And um, he did that. And for some reason, because when I scored my goal, uh, I just put my, you know, my fist in the air, which is generally how I celebrate a goal. Mm -hmm. But because of the fact that it was the winning goal, uh, the second goal, uh, because I uh, flicked it into Michael O'Neill and how on earth he scored, I don't know. He sort of like stumbled over the ball, but it went in. And I think it was just at that moment, it was a crazy moment where I thought, you know what, I'll do that. Because Liam O'Brien started running towards me and he saw me doing the, uh, you know, all the, 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 the arm gestures and he just ran straight, uh, straight away over to, uh, to Michael O'Neill. So it's just uh, a moment of, of, you know, uh, the excitement of, of winning the game because it was a crucial game for us at that, uh, at that time. And um, so that's that's basically it. I've never I've never done that in a in another game. It was just the, just that moment. So sorry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also he also says your home debut um, was a nil nil draw with Man United live on television with the supporters singing "Sack the Board" all game and having a sit in protest afterwards. Did you realise how much politics was going on behind the scenes? And do you think that affected the players? Well. Listen, Steve, if, if, if you're rock bottom uh, of the uh, division, it doesn't matter even if you've got the nicest people uh, who are going to be board directors or God knows what, Newcastle should not be at the bottom. You know, Newcastle should be at least, at least middle of the table. Um, so there's always going to be uh, that pressure, I think, for any player um, who's going to be playing in the, uh, in the Premiership, uh, bear in mind about the mental health uh, problems what a lot of uh, players are, are suffering with nowadays, simply because of the stress of, uh, of what, you know, what football brings with it. And um, no, I just think we went, we went onto the field to do our best. And like I said, we had a good set of lads. Uh, you know, there was, there was no bickering. There was no, you know, backstabbing or God knows what. We just had a good set of lads. But we just weren't good enough at that time, period. Yeah. Elzik Mag, he asked a question, and I think you answered it at the start. You were on trial at first with another player who wasn't taken on. Can you remember who that was? Now, I'm presuming that was Alistair Dick, was it? Yeah. 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 Where did he end up then? Poof. No idea. Um, I, I think he went back to Scotland. Um, that's yeah. I think he went to Hibs. If I'm not mistaken, I think he signed for Hibs. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can better ask Darren Jackson because I think Darren was, because uh, Darren was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he knew him uh, quite well. Mm -hmm. And uh, Darren's a bit of a wheeler and a dealer now in uh, in the football world. And I think uh, I think he might have uh, he might have helped Alistair at that time. I'm not sure. I will definitely ask Darren that question. 
the Duke 3000, Stephen, thanks for your question. He says, uh, although Rob's done well managing various clubs, does he think does he think enough has been done to help former footballers once their short careers have ended? Footballers from pre-Premier League uh, weren't on the glittering wages footballers are now. He also says, and what do footballers who aren't household names do when they retire? I've heard so many different stories from working as a DPD driver to working on a market store. There just isn't enough punditry jobs for all the former footballers. So what's life like on the other side? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. And, um, and bear in mind, uh, I think what a lot of footballers need to also remember is that uh, because we tend to neglect our school days, I think it's a lot better now. Um, you know, if you haven't got any diplomas or, or whatever, you're not going to get anywhere anywhere. So uh, if you feel as though football's the only talent what you've got, I mean, I've been fortunate, really fortunate. Uh, the fact that I went into coaching and, um, you know, and I'm, uh, I was helping trying to get uh, coaches abroad, Dutch coaches abroad uh, to clubs. Um, and, and what I'm doing now is more or less trying to help uh, clubs find investors and investors find clubs. So what I've done, I've, I've deliberately uh, utilised my, my network. Uh, so I've made sure that uh, I always keep, you know, my name and everything in, uh, in the picture. Uh, you'll find a lot of players will go into scouting. They've got a good, uh, a good idea about uh, football, stuff like that. Uh, coaching. Now, if you look at the whole uh, picture, and especially if I'm looking at England, there's a lot of foreign coaches are going over there now. So that's putting, uh, you know, English people uh, out, of, uh, out of a job. Uh, whether a lot of the uh, footballers, knowing that the career is coming to an end, do they also invest in time for themselves? Do they maybe go and learn some trades? Do they maybe go and try and get some, uh, you know, O-levels or certificates or, or diplomas or God knows what? Uh, try and find out what they're good at. Um, but I think the biggest thing you need to do, uh, and especially with football, you see, we have one big advantage. We generate a network around ourselves. So you have to use people. Then people used you when you was a footballer. So you make sure that you're going to use your network to try and help you when times when, uh, you know, when you really need it. So, um, and just have some good people you can uh, lean back on have a good chat to, even when you're going through a bad time, you can't get a job. It's always good to talk about it because if you, there's a lot of pride going on as well, because not many footballers will say, I've got no money. I'm out of money. You know, can you help? Can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, so I think you just got to be open and, and, you know, try and get some, uh, some good, honest feedback. And, uh, and maybe sometimes, you have to be a taxi driver or you maybe have to work in a supermarket or, you know, God knows what, but do it just to make sure that you've got the, uh, the income and then work on other things. Uh, there's a lot of academies which have been uh, set up now in and around, uh, you know, also in, uh, in, in, in uh, the Northeast. I mean, God blame it. It's, it's the sort of like... Uh, you know, the, 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 the bed of all uh, fanatical, uh, you know, footballers. And, and it, it's such a passionate 
uh, thing there that you can you could do many things within football as well, even if it means you help within a community uh, and do you know work maybe for nothing but build into something. And who knows that a company or something may be sponsor or you become um, uh, what do you call it uh, an ambassador? You know, try and look for something. You know, if you're going to sit at home and think, oh, woe is me. And uh, I don't tell anybody that I've, uh, I've not got any money and I haven't got a job. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle big time. So look for help. Good advice. Gavin Marsh says, did you ever see Kevin Dillon go in training? Uh, yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> he was a decent player, actually. Um, He's a good player. Yeah, but honest, in the 60-odd games he played for Newcastle, he was always my bet for first goal. And ironically, never scored a goal in his career at Newcastle. And then on his he debut... Did for Reading, he did score in training. On his debut <laughs> he for, did, yeah. On his debut for Reading, when he left Newcastle, of course he scored on his debut. And I didn't put the bet on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Newcastle United now, um, obviously we're just coming off the back of an FA Cup quarterfinal exit, so uh, the mood on Tyneside isn't exactly joyous at the minute. Um, do, you, do you watch Newcastle at the moment? Do you, still, do you still keep in touch with your old team? Well, there's, there's nobody... Uh, well, there's only the physio... Um, uh, what's he call him now? Um, Derek Wright? The ball uh, is it Derek? Derek Wright, yeah. Yeah. Great block. Um, he's about the only one, I think, at the club. Oh, I know. Uh, Russell, Russell left. Uh, Russell Cushion. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as far as... Kenny, is Kenny still at the club? Kenny Wharton? Uh, no. No, no. Yeah. So, no. Oh, no, it's such a long time ago. Um, no, I mean, I, I follow it. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I do look for the uh, for the result for Newcastle. See how they're getting on together with Hull City. Mm -hmm. And um, but no, I mean, I really, really like Steve Bruce, um, and I'm a bit partial because of the fact that he did really well at Hull City, and uh, I never would have dreamt Hull City would ever, ever play in the Premiership. And, uh, and that they'd play in an FA Cup final, which I was there. Um, and he, he did that for us. And uh, he's just got something about him where, you know, he gets, he gets results. And he's got a good, I think he's one of these who can uh, easily talk with players. Uh, he seems to be a likeable sort, but yet he knows his stuff. Um, yeah, he might play defensive sometimes, but... If he feels as though it's going to get him a result, because I mean, Manchester City didn't like, uh, because I, I remember looking at the interview um, Kevin uh, De Bruyne uh, gave, and that he said, he said, it's, you know, it's just not an easy place to play. So, um, and, and they're not in any problems, you know, this must be one of the most relaxing uh, years, what I think a Newcastle supporter has had, knowing that they're not going to get. Uh, relegated, okay, the situation with, uh, you know, with Mike, with Mike Ashley, uh, is the club going to be sold, yes or no? Um, that's, you know, that's another thing, but I think, uh, I think Steve's done a good job, and they look exciting, I think the, the, the lads up front uh, are looking exciting, okay, 
Uh, the poor boy has took ages to score a goal, but he's still he's still helping within the team. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a good target man. So, um, no, I think it looks good. It looks good at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, I would agree with you. Newcastle's season this season hasn't been as as worrying or nail-biting because, you know, points have been in the bag early. And like you say, it's, it's, it's more or less mathematically, you know, certain Newcastle will, will be in the Premier League next year. With, with investment coming in, hopefully, um, you know, do you think that will improve Newcastle's fortunes if, if this Saudi takeover goes through? And would you allow Steve Bruce to, to continue? Would you expect him to continue as manager or, or head coach as he is? Listen, Steve, we know what, uh, what new owners are like uh, these days. Um, listen, if you come in as a new owner and you've got Jurgen Klopp uh, at the top of uh, you know, the club, then it's always a damn sight easier. Um, whether they'll allow Steve to uh, to carry on, I'm not too sure about that. You just don't know. You see, I've got a little bit of experience of it now about how uh, certain owners look at, uh, or let's just say potential investors, how they look at uh, taking over a club and what they want to do. Now, you just don't know what sort of uh, uh, links they've got with people who want to also go into the club and they're part of the deal, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Uh, let's just say the, the Saudis, they might have a group of people they want to go into the club. Now, I think if you change a hell of a lot of stuff uh, when you take over a club, you're guaranteed you're going to have problems. You can better just come in, have a look, maybe bring one or two men uh, to come in just to sort of like give you the information about uh, how the club's rocking and rolling and that sort of stuff. Uh, and then slowly see how it goes. I think once you come in like a bull in a china shop, I just don't think you've got a, a, a hell of a chance at all for the simple fact that Newcastle is a, is a sensitive club. Uh, they've got a lot of good people around the club. Uh, and I think you've got to be extremely careful how you take over the club. I want to thank everybody for their questions. I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, a, a, couple, a couple more um, what are you up to now then, Rob? Obviously, you went from you, know, you retired from football and you went into coaching management. What what was that like for you? What was the experience like on the other side of the fence? Um, it's 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 a hell of a lot easier uh, when you're a player because then they're just dependent on you. Uh, you know, I'm a striker. I've got to score. If I don't score, we lose. Uh, that's the that's the you know. I mean, it's a bit. Bit black and white, what I'm, how I'm expressing it. But when you're a, uh, a manager, you're not only dependent on your players. You've got your supporters. You've got your staff. Uh, you've got sponsors. You've got everybody within the club wants a little bit of you, and uh, and it's all got to. It's got to be nice and calm, and I've got to be happy. It's a big responsibility. Bear in mind just how much time, you know, consuming uh, time, what it, uh, what it takes uh, from, a, from a, an individual. I think that's the reason why uh, there's about 12 or 13 people now on a, on a bench. In my days, it was about two or three, and that was it, you know. But now it's, uh, it's, it's much more, uh, you know, the load is spread around. But um, 
no, I just, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed it because I'd been through a lot. Uh, you know, I come from a, a background with, uh, you know, divorced parents. My dad left when, uh, when I was like eight. And my mum, she brought up three kids uh, with nothing. And all three of us have been, have done well. And, um, you know, so the experiences I've had as, uh, as a young kid, uh, you know, growing up, I could pass that on to the youth players in the beginning when I, when I was coaching the youth. And then when I went over to the first team, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you know, I had, a, I had a, a really good career, which I could pass on, you know, information to them. So, uh, and I was always one to, I wanted to play attacking football. And that's the reason why it was great that I did all my uh, diplomas in, uh, in Holland. I did go over to England and I did both the uh, preliminary and the full, uh, the full badge. So I got them as well. I just thought, Rob, go, you know, just go and do it. You never know when it might come in, uh, in handy if I get a chance to take over, uh, you know, an English club. So um, I loved it in, in many ways. And then, you know, after a while, uh, you, uh, you know, you've had good times and you've had maybe times when uh, the results have not been that great. And then uh, I had heart problems. I had an irregular heart problem. Uh, which I had three operations on. So that cost me about a good five to seven years. And uh, I'm fully fit now. I mean, I've been declared fit the last, uh, the last four years. Uh, but I thought, shit, Rob, you got to do something. Come on, you know, think out of the box. So I thought, right, I don't like the, the idea of being called an agent. I don't like that. I'm a mediator. Uh, and, and the great thing about my career is that I've been able to get in a position where I can get to the decision makers, not to the people under, but to the decision makers. And um, I took a, a top coach to a, a top club in China, uh, which I never, ever in my wildest dreams uh, would have imagined that I could have pulled something off like that. But I'm in for that sort of stuff. And if you know people, then why, you know, why shouldn't you use your, your network and with that I uh, I sort of started getting asked by uh, you know investors and, 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 and clubs to find uh, you know to find our club or an investor uh, for them so that's that's been taking up a lot of my time in the last year and um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying that and uh, who knows you know something might uh, might crop up even in England. Any last um, messages for uh, for the Newcastle fans who are watching this tonight? Uh, listen, just keep loving the club, and um, I just hope that the money, what will maybe come in with the new owners, uh, will be to get the right players, uh, that they don't, you know, start spending money uh, foolishly on. Uh, on let's just say big names, what don't turn out to be big names. Uh, keep the players who are doing really well now. And um, I'm not too worried about uh, Newcastle. I think uh, it's a sleeping giant. Everybody keeps calling it a sleeping giant. It's just waiting for somebody to wake it up again and, and, and get a strike like Shearer or Malcolm McDonald. And, uh, you know, I think that, 
once you get a, a, a regular goal scorer, I think you're gonna be you're gonna be back up there again. Rob McDonald, been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for coming on NUFC Matters tonight. My pleasure. Cheers. Take care.